Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. I've got to say, I am super pumped uh, to be here virtually on a Monday morning with uh, two of my favorite guys. Uh, So hello to you as well, dudes. Uh, My name is Ben. My name is Noel Ben. That's a really nice way to open the show. I appreciate that. Uh, It's really nice to be here with you. It's a great way to kind of start the day, even though it is pushing 1130. Um, Hopefully we've all been running around doing some things around our uh, our respective uh, homebound bunker situations. Uh, What did you do this morning, Ben? Well, let's see. I actually spent about uh, 10 minutes in the early days of the morning uh, writing math based food puns. Uh, it's that's where I'm at. How many uh, math-based food puns does one generate in ten minutes? A, a lot, actually, a lot. So long as you don't worry about whether or not they are good. Well, that's what they say about writing in general, isn't it, Ben? You just got to do the thing. Don't worry about whether it's good or not. You're going to learn from your mistakes, and eventually, you'll become a math-based food pun virtuoso. <laughs> right, the old uh, tipping point or Malcolm Gladwell thing. Uh, th- it is actually a myth that 10,000 hours of practice make you a genius at something, mm. but you do get better with time. And science proves that we use a different part of our brain when we write uh, than the part of the brain we use when we edit. So you shouldn't edit yourself when you're trying to do something creative. But I've I've been uh, trying to do something, you know, uh, just like a mental exercise in the morning along with the physical routine to try to stay physically and mentally fit. Uh, what about you, man? You know, I haven't done my walk yet today, but I've really been enjoying doing nice walks. I went to a place in Atlanta called Arabia Mountain yesterday, which is a very beautiful uh, scenic kind of um, rock outcropping, I guess you could say. But it really, you guys know, it feels like you're on the moon or some other weird Ooh. alien planet. It's got these like shallow pools with these bright red like lichens or whatever in them. And they're apparently kind of rare. And they had all these signs telling you not to uh, trot upon them. But it's a really, really neat spot if anyone's ever visiting Atlanta. And uh, it was uh, not 
abandoned, but it wasn't also wasn't super crowded, so it was really easy to social distance out mm. there in the wild. Um, but today I had my daughter over the weekend, so I took her back to her mom. She's staying there for the week, and then her mom made us uh, some breakfast, and I hung out there with her and her sister and uh, stepdad for a while, and uh, it was very nice to to be around kind of like other humans uh, for the first time in, in a week or so. Have you been to Arabia Mountain before? I have, I have. Yeah, this was maybe my mm-hmm. third time, um, but it was. Uh, it's it's definitely a really special place here in Atlanta. Oh yeah, it's got it's got a uh, dark and twisted history. I, I went there a lot when I was growing up because my parents lived nearby. Uh, but what what's fascinating about Arabia Mountain is that it is part of Stone Mountain, the fourth largest basaltic extrusion in the world. Uh, I don't know if that'll come in handy for anybody if you're playing trivia, but uh, you know, keep that one in your back pocket and do check it out if you get a chance. Stone Mountain also pretty serious history of racism and a hotbed of. Klux Klan activity uh, back in the day. And I think, wasn't it the same sculptor that did Mount Rushmore, did that weird carving in Stone Mountain that's like, is it Robert E. Lee? Who is it that's in the... in The, uh, the sculptor is Gutson Borglum. Right. Uh, I think we mentioned on a... I really want to do an episode on him in the future. Uh, also, Arabia Mountain super producer Casey Pegram... <laughs> You may be interested to know uh, that Pet Cemetery 2 was filmed in part of Arabia Mountain. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Part 2. That's the one with uh, with young John Connor um, as a, as a oh. slightly older uh, adult actor. Um, Edward Furlong, I think, is his name. Yes. Uh, actually, I, I watched that movie again not very long ago, I guess in the lead up to the re-release it's, coming it's out. It's not good. It's um, not good. No, it's not good. There's there's some Jesus and Mary Chain on the soundtrack, which is okay. <laughs> oh, great. Um, and speaking of Pet Cemetery movie-based songs, do you guys remember the Ramones song from the first Pet Cemetery movie that oh, was yeah. called oh, Pet yeah. Cemetery? And it's just like, yeah. I, 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 was, I don't want to be buried in a Pet Cemetery, or does he want to be buried? He doesn't want to be buried. I think he doesn't want to be. No, okay. no. They're, they're very much an anti-zombie punk band. You know? Got it, got it. Oh, uh, but I like what you said about not spending too much time, you know, dithering or having the the old uh, should I, shouldn't I kind of Hamlet problem. Uh, because today's episode is a very uh, weird story about a, another person who maybe impulsively jumped to a decision. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Florida's been in the news a lot lately, mainly because people are still uh, partying on this la-di-da vibe out by the beaches. Uh, but our story today is also about Florida, sort of. It's about Florida. It's about war. And uh, it's it's a pretty recent war in Florida that most people have not heard of. It's true. It's uh, not the War of the Roses. It's more the War of the... The conks, right? Is that how you say it? Is, is it a C-H sound or is it it's conk, right? I've always said conk. Like bonk. Yeah. Remember Bonk's Adventures, that game for, uh, uh, what was what system was that? I don't know. It's the one with the little- TurboGrafx-16. TurboGrafx-16. So we're going to go with conk like bonk. It's true. In 1982, April 23rd to be exact, uh, the mayor of Key West, Florida, Dennis Wardlow, declared the Florida Keys was going to become an independent micronation and secede from the union. And there's there's an interesting backstory to this. I, let's let's rewind. So consider that in the cinema of your mind, the cold open, and then we flash back. Right. So we're doing a little bit of a a, a non-linear plot 
uh, unraveling here. So in 1861, uh, more than a century earlier, Florida seceded, right, and joined the Confederacy during the Civil War. That's why there's still that monument on Stone Mountain, the whole U.S. Civil War. Uh, But Key West, Florida, stayed in the Union. I believe it was specifically January 10th 1861, that Florida seceded, uh, and they were just the third state to do so. Only South Carolina and Mississippi beat them to it. Uh, but when when they seceded, you know, Key West is is an island, right? It's an island outpost, and they said, you know what, we're not going to go with the rest of the peninsula here. Uh, we're going to stay loyal to the Union, and you could say this set a precedent for Key West kind of carving their own path independent of the rest of their state. Totally. Key West is always, I've never been, but people really love it. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with it sort of like kooky individualistic spirit. Like they have things like, uh, you know, these parades that they call drag races that aren't with cars, but they're actually with like lots of like drag performers. And just in general, like there's apparently a lot of like, uh, it's almost like Tijuana or something like that, where it's this very kind of, you know, out in the street, let let it all hang out kind of lifestyle there in in, in Key West. Uh, it's all about relaxation, Margaritaville type vibe, um, but also a lot of kind of that Florida man stuff that we always hear a lot about, but a little bit more in a tongue in cheek kind of way, uh, a little bit less methy, a little bit more maybe um, festive. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And for anyone who wants a good sense of the geography, uh, the state of Florida, as you know, has two kind of primary parts. It's got what we call the panhandle, and then it's got this peninsula, which it makes up the majority of the state. But Key West is not on the panhandle. It's not really on the peninsula either. If you look at it, it's at the very, 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 very end, the tip of this archipelago that that kind of swoops off of the peninsula. So it's geographically isolated. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think it is also culturally uh, unique. The way you described it, Noel, was perfect. I'm glad you mentioned the drag races. Yeah, I actually just Googled weird Key West, and there's a website uh, on this life and trips called Six Odd Things to Do in Key West. Uh, and the first one says, say hello to Robert, uh, who is apparently a ghost that occupies uh, America. It's considered America's fifth most haunted city. And uh, Robert is a ghost that's been haunting Key West since the early 1900s. Uh, let's see. You can uh, there's, you can bike through an above ground cemetery. They've got biking tours. There's an event called Fantasy Fest um, that uh, allows folks to do all kinds of really elaborate body painting. Um, and that's an event. And you see images of people that are essentially nude, but are painted up to look like superheroes. Like there's a Superman here, a Wonder Woman, but they are, in fact, uh, full nude. Uh, and then, of course, you've got your key limes. Very, very well known. Um, And you can get lots of key lime pies like on sticks, which I'm a big fan of personally. Chocolate dipped, uh, white chocolate. And there's a lot of piratey stuff there in Key West. There's a Key West shipwreck museum um, that looks pretty awesome with all kinds of old relics and weird stuff that's washed up from from, um, shipwrecks of pirate ships, including an entire piano that's all covered in kind of like sea crust and barnacles. Pretty cool stuff. Oh, and they have their uh, their famous six-toed cat um, uh, that you can go to a place Ernest called... Ernest Hemingway. That's right. Yeah, the cats of the Hemingway house. Uh, Ernest Hemingway's famous six-toed cat, uh, Snowball. 
It was cool. I went to the Hemingway house uh, in the past because, like a lot of like a lot of young writers, I was trying to make peace with <laughs> the Ernest Hemingway and the canon. Uh, I, you know, I still I still like I still like his stuff. Hey, now yeah. remember that story we did about Ernest Hemingway's uh, lesser known brother that started his own micronation yes. on a raft? Full circle, my friend. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Full circle. Uh, full. Full peninsula, perhaps, right? Indeed. All right. So the reason I, I wanted to give us all an, a sense of the extreme location of Key West is because it plays into the story. It is, as you said, Noel, it is culturally unique. It is also geographically isolated in comparison to a lot of other cities in Florida. Fast forward to the early 1980s. There's this guy you may have heard of, uh, Ronald Reagan, the Gipper. He is the president of the U.S. at the time. The Cold War with the Soviet Union is still ongoing, and the USSR has a proxy just 90 miles away, the communist nation of Cuba. I know, and our relationship as a country has always been quite complicated with Cuba, but there's a lot of Cuban culture that finds its way into Florida, and Key West is no exception. Um, and the reason is... A lot of folks that were fleeing Cuba due to a lot of uh, of drug wars and a lot of like issues with the government um, are illegally coming into the United States through Florida. It's really becoming an immigration gateway. Uh, there are civil wars going on, chaos in general reigning in that in Latin America because of a lot of this cartel stuff, um, and. This is a real problem as far as the Reagan administration is concerned. They don't want these immigrants coming in. It's very much of a of a sentiment of, you know, we don't need them. They're bringing drugs into the country. You know, it's a problem for our country. We that's not our issue. Let them deal with it. Keep them out. Uh, we're in a similar place right now, actually, with the current administration, which is very much influenced by Reagan. Yeah. Yeah. We see that conflation of illegal drugs and immigration which is which is misleading right just objectively so on april 18th in 1982 the u.s border patrol set up a customs checkpoint and a roadblock at the intersection of county road 905a and u.s highway one on the florida mainland this is important because it is the only way in or out of the florida keys yeah, it's also important because typically these kinds of roadblocks have been set up on the border side, the opposing the country, border. right? Yeah, this or or yeah, exactly, or the border. This is absolutely on American soil in a place that is highly inconvenient for all these uh, vacationers and revelers that are trying to get into Key West um, to see the six-toed uh, cat or, or what have you, or you know, do do the body paint parade, um, which I, I'm assuming had to have been going on in the '80s. Um, so. There's this roadblock. It's a checkpoint, a legitimate military checkpoint, um, and it, uh, it they're they're going the full nine yards. They're checking IDs. Um, they're like, show us your papers. You know, they are actually searching every single vehicle. They're looking for drugs. They're looking for immigrants, illegal immigrants being smuggled in. And uh, with a single, likely two to four lane uh, highway road, this is going to become a real logjam. And it absolutely did, didn't it, Ben? It did. It did. Within mere hours, there's a traffic jam that's 19 miles long. Uh, still doesn't set the record for the world's longest traffic jam, uh, which you can hear about in a different episode of Car Stuff, but... 
people are losing their minds, and rightly so, because again, this is a one-way-in, one-way-out situation. So word about this spreads across the country, and people who have planned a vacation to Key West, it's a very popular tourist destination, they start canceling. Delivery trucks say, well, there's no point in making deliveries because we can't get through the traffic. And the islands become economically paralyzed. The, the, the traffic jam, by the way, continues to grow. At one point, it's 23 miles long. And eventually, Mayor Wardlow, that you mentioned at the beginning, Noel, uh, he decides he's got he's to make a, he's got to react to this. The people demand it. He only hears about the checkpoint. Now, get this. He's the mayor. And he only hears about this checkpoint wrecking his city on Sunday, April 18th. And his, it's, it, he doesn't hear about it through official channels either. I think his dad told him. Jeez, that's really got to hurt. Uh, because, I mean, this is a, uh area that depends um, hugely on, on um, tourism and on these tourists coming in. And if you're one road in and out as being jammed up, that's going to be a problem. And that's going to cause some real uh, animosity towards whatever and whomever is causing this. Yeah. Exactly. So Wardlow's dad finds out about it because he's a ham radio guy, which I always wanted to get into. Maybe now's the time. What do you guys think? I think so. Okay. Is that the one that involves like a crystal kind of situation, right? Isn't there a crystal that powers the ham radio? Or what am I thinking? Uh, That's a different kind of radio. That's, I don't know. There used to be those science kits where you could build a radio from crystal. Maybe that's what, I know that, that's what I'm thinking of. I think a ham radio is a little more advanced than that. I think calling it a ham radio is misleading, by the way. There is no ham involved. No, what does the ham even stand for? It's probably an acronym for something. Yeah, it's definitely not ham, though. Uh, yeah, let's, you know what? We're here. We, we, neither of us are going anywhere. Let's see what, let's see what ham radio stands for. Uh, amateur radio, ham radio. You know what? How about this? Noel, Casey, what do, you, what do you guys say in the future we do an episode on ham radio? Oh, why not? Why not? Why not? Well, in this case, ham radio comes in hamdy. I'm so sorry. And, uh, and Wardlow's dad is calling his son, and he's like, what the heck's going on on Route 1? And the mayor has to say, uh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. So he checks with the chief of police. Hasn't heard anything either. The sheriff. Hasn't heard anything either. Florida State Representative, also zip, zilch, bupkis. Uh, even the congressman, Dante Fassell, up in Washington, couldn't explain what was happening. And imagine how crazy that is. You're the mayor. You are finding out informally after the fact that the federal government is, for all intents and purposes, shutting your city down. You have to do something, right? Oh, I mean, you know, for all intents and purposes, like to your point, Ben, it, it, would, it would have felt like an occupation or, or some kind of invasion, right? Uh, to not even be given the courtesy of a heads up, I would have been absolutely livid. So um, he springs into action uh, with uh, an attorney named David Horan. Wardlow files an injunction to get the roadblock removed. Um, and then he joins up with someone named Virginia Panico, who's the president of the Hotel and Motel Association, a gentleman named Edwin Swift, um, who was at the time the president of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, and outside of a courtroom in Miami announces this uh, this injunction. Um, and he is denied because the judge didn't have the power to grant such an injunction, but it becomes
becomes a media feeding frenzy. Um, and that's when he uh, decides whether it's on the fly or he's given this some thought. It all happened so quickly. I have to assume it was kind of just a spur of the moment decision. Wardlow utters the following words. Tomorrow at noon, we are going to secede and we're going to become a foreign nation. Isn't that crazy? That's true. That's what he said. The reporter's like, ah, you know, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, blah, 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 blah. And then he just decides, we don't know if he planned ahead or, you know, if the spirit just moved him, but he says, we're going to be a foreign nation. Uh, His reasoning, at least the way Vice puts it in uh, their excellent article, I got to say, the the reasoning is that if Uncle Sam is going to treat us like a foreign country, then that's what we'll become. And... (laughs) Uh, this is so weird because he followed up on it. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Wardlow and his associates that you mentioned earlier, they immediately start organizing their own government. It's, you know, it's kind of like a nod and a wink, you know what I mean? But they they get uh, 30 different officials and 30 different leaders in the community and appoint them to all these new posts that they've made up. Secretary of Underwater Affairs is one, Minister of Nutrition is another. And we should also mention that there were some additional acts of you know, what you could call rebellion. A pilot buzzed the roadblock when they were flying back to Key West because he could go past the traffic jam, right? And buzzing, just for anyone uh, who's wondering, buzzing something in a in an aircraft is when you fly really low and it gets super loud. It's like it's like a drive-by. It's like an airborne drive-by. Oh, yeah. So it's definitely like a, it's, it's definitely like an airborne FU kind of, you know, right? Yes. Yeah. All right, and then um, that little biplane eventually landed back in Key West, and by then it was all over the news, um, and it had become a pretty big story, uh, a, a bit unexpectedly. Uh, by the way, uh, Conks was a nickname for uh, for Key West locals, uh, and like Kiwis, exactly, just like Kiwis or Aussies or whatever. These are Conks, um, like Bonks. And at this point, uh, the story was really taking off. The phones of the mayor's office were going nuts. There were concerns from local citizens uh, understandably if this was to be taken seriously like uh, is our are our dollars and cents our american currency going to still hold uh what about our social security numbers and, and things like that um there were death threats being levied at the mayor and his family uh at the very least um he was cautioned that this was a really 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 dumb career move um and uh yeah and then the city's uh commissioners and representatives uh from Monroe County um, didn't want anything to do with it. They were absolutely against the plan. It seemed like a fool's errand, even if it was sort of a tongue-in-cheek nose-thumbing at the U.S. government. But he was going to do what he was going to do, and he had started this uh, this crazy thing, and he was going to ride it out um, at least uh, until it you know became completely untenable. Right, right. All hail the Conk Republic. You know. Mayor Wardlow has the benefit of retrospect here. Uh, you know, looking back on it, he'll say, okay, of course, it was a tongue-in-cheek response to political issues. But he also admits that Friday, April 23rd, 1982, when they were in the thick of this, it was very serious and very frightening at the time. He plans to make a proclamation of secession speech. In the hours leading up to his secession speech, you know, we mentioned that he speaks with that pilot. Uh, that that's a guy, a conch named Tony, uh, and Tony has offered to fly his biplane over some ships hanging off Mallory Square, and he says, "You know what? You know what, Mayor? I'm going to bomb them for you with my homemade conch fritters, which sound really good, right? And uh, this is not misleading like ham radio. These are actual edible conch fritters. Totally. Have you ever had a conch fritter, Ben? There was a there was a pop up place that karaoke bar uh, here in Atlanta called Fam Fam that had a little pop up uh, conch fritter guy that was there, uh, and they were really good. They almost like a cornbread kind of situation, and the conch it almost is like a like a a, a scallop. Um, it's sort of like a soft, mm-hmm. not particularly flavorful uh, sea meat, um, but when it's seasoned really well and and put in these fritters, they're quite delicious. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've cooked conch before, uh, just kind of as an experiment, 
You know how sometimes you go to the grocery store hungry and you pick up dumb stuff because you you think that you can make something ambitious and amazing? That was one of the weird ones I bought was uh, it was conch. I cooked it. I ate it. But uh, I definitely think there's an art to it. And it's all about, you know, when it's fried, it's all about the flavoring, right? You got to get that mmm on it. Exactly. That umami. Not my most descriptive moment. Oh, no, no, it was good, Ben. It was good. I, I was here for it with you. Um, so this did happen. Uh, this idea that they were going to bomb yeah. with uh, conch fritters. And again, all in the spirit of this kind of goofy protest. Uh, and... Um, that was the plan. They were going to attack the U.S. Navy, uh, and this was sort of their declaration of war. Uh, and this guy, Tony, who's clearly very zealous about this whole cause, was going to uh, help out with this. Um, and here's the thing, though. It wasn't exactly clear uh, whether or not this was a joke or not at the time, right? Right. Absolutely. Uh, this, you know, one thing that the federal government doesn't like to do is to play around with secession. So the Secret Service, the FBI, other federal agents are legitimately confused here. They say, well, we don't know whether or not to arrest the mayor. And this confusion, this fog of war, it's called, uh, happens in part because of the media. The Miami Herald erroneously reports that the Conk Republic is going to attack offshore naval ships, which, you know, you'll recall is partially true, and then lower the U.S. flag, replace it with their own. Now we're getting into kind of a, a world of conflicting narratives because some of the details remain unclear. But here's what happens. The press, along with the feds, flood Key West because they want to lock this down. And it's not, you know, it's like, it's like you're not supposed to make bomb jokes when you're going through security at an airport. Saying you're going to secede is kind of like that. So at noon on April 23rd, 1982, Mayor Wardlow reads this proclamation of secession. He's changed his title from Mayor of Key West to Prime Minister of the Conch Republic. And he, in his uh, secession speech... He declares war on the United States. He declares war on the United States through a symbolic act of bonking over the head a gentleman ceremoniously dressed in a U.S. military garb. Uh, not not only uh, oh yeah, with a piece of stale Cuban bread. Uh, this whole thing is just getting more and more ridiculous. Um, I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of here for it, honestly. <laughs> right, right. Uh, we have some of the statement here. Uh, he unfurls the conch flag and it's, you know, for a vexillologist in the crowd, uh, you'll be interested in this. It's a blue field with stars and a horse conch and, and a neat little tropical sun. And he says, I declare that Key West shall now be known as the Conch Republic. We serve notice on the government in Washington to remove the roadblock or get ready to put up a permanent border to a new foreign land. Ben, there might have been a Skype lag, but did you say horse conch? Horse conch, yes. C-O-N-C-H. <laughs> no, I got that. I just don't know. Is that yeah. like a particular type of conch shell? Like a, like a, like a big one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's see. We can pull up a picture here. It's, uh, yeah, it's, there's the giant horse conch. It's the, it's the street name for uh, Triplofusis papillosis. Got it. Remember the conch in uh, Lord of the Flies? That was how they, uh, they knew who was allowed to speak. They would pass around the conch. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. Man, what a what a good book to reread uh, today. Who is that? William Golding? Was that the author? It is. But what an odd book to assign to 11-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. It's so dark and and upsetting and uh, and full of all kinds of strange sexual innuendo. I loved it uh, when I was that age, but I do think it's a pretty dark and intensely violent book. I know it's one of the uh, one of the more um, controversial ones, and they may not even assign it as much anymore. Same with Catcher in the Rye. But we lucked out; we got all the really dark and grim books assigned to us when we were in school. And look how we turned out—just fine, mainly. I read uh, Eli Weisel's Night. When I was in middle school, and that is a heavy book for children. There was another one that I remember uh, that I was assigned called The Bridge Bridge Over Terabithia. The Bridge to Terabithia, yeah. Bridges to Terabithia. I loved it. I thought it was really moving and really wonderful. And it's one of those ones that kind of teaches kids how to accept death and, and, and tragedy and loss. Um, but it's also one of these ones that it's like this fantasy world that these kids occupy because they can't cope with how sad and kind of like, you know, uh, dull their lives are, sort of. Um, and that was a heavy one. One for me, and that was another really, uh, really controversial one for kids. But we digress. Yes, well, we, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting point. I want to see uh, any kids in the audience or any uh, parents with kids in the audience here. What are what are your kids reading? What do kids read now in middle school? Because I think uh, the three of us all, all all got thrown some plot twists by reading some heavy, heavy books. And uh, not to humble brag, I'll just straight out brag, the three of us were, were probably in the uh, nerd English classes. I think that's that's probably the case. Oh, totally. I also started reading like Stephen King and stuff by the time I was, I think, 12. So I was already like, I was going down that rabbit hole. There was no coming back for me. Yeah, I probably should have waited a little while to read The Stand and It. Uh, <laughs> I definitely should have waited. But uh, let's, instead of digressing, let's progress, right? These, uh, this speech is met with some support, as you said. There are protest signs there at the rally. Uh, some of them are like, you know, silly, haha, <laughs> nod and wink. And other ones are kind of, uh, you know, here in the South, there are people who consider themselves serious secessionists. So I'm sure there were a couple people in Key West who were like, this is a great opportunity. Oh, totally. And that's the problem with this. If there is a problem, per se, or a central one, is that I think it happens so quickly that not enough people kind of were sure sure if it was a joke or not. Because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that lack the sense of humor to know that if there's a talking about conch bombings and, you know, the names of some of these uh, positions like the Minister of Underwater Activities, you know, they they couldn't quite pick up the fact that maybe this was all a bit of a of a of a gag. But um, that's the problem. Like, it wasn't very clear to to many people. So there was a lot of like polarizing uh, responses to this or polarized responses, rather. Yeah, totally. This is this is the thing. Uh, this reminds me of one of my uh, favorite cinematic metaphors. Uh, Prime Minister Wardlow finds himself in the situation that the Sorcerer's Apprentice Mickey Mouse found himself in in Fantasia. He, you know, in Fantasia, Mickey Mouse uh, like uh, magically automates the mops, I think, and then it quickly goes out of control. Prime Minister Wardlow, uh, aka the former mayor of Key West looks upon the chaos and the people chanting after they break that bread over that individual in the naval uniform, and he thinks, this is getting out of hand, uh, and I've just declared war on the entire United States. So how long does this war last, Noel? 
Uh, about a minute. About Wait. one minute. Six, 60 <laughs> seconds. Oh, I, I think no. because Wardlow, uh, you know, our, our, our new prime minister, kind of gets wise to how maybe he jumped the shark on this a little bit. Uh, maybe he pushed this a little too far, and it's absolutely possible that he is in danger of having his small new island micronation actually bombed, or at the very least, uh, experience some really serious consequences uh, from the U.S. government. So he pretty quickly, very quickly, in sixty seconds, and fact um surrenders he's like jk jk hashtag no treason uh because treason does still carry the death penalty here in the united states this episode of ridiculous history is brought to you by snag a job snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. And so they, they say, okay, okay, all right, sorry, LOL, our bad. Uh, we're, we're good conks, but we're U.S. citizens, no war. 
but a few days later, this is one of the funniest things to me. A few days later, Key West requests $1 billion in foreign aid from Uncle Sam. Uh, and, and they say it's war relief. What? Yeah. To, 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 yeah, the war relief to, re, to, quote, to rebuild our nation after the long federal siege. Man, he really didn't quit. This guy's got some, uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, cojones? Is that okay to say on a family show? Can we say yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, yeah, good, yeah. good, good, good. At the very least, it's educational, right? Yeah, to say I think that. so. So, yeah, the, uh, they continue these kind of pranks there's this sort of um merry pranksters electric kool-aid acid test vibe to some of their social activism and disruption here uh because for two weeks wardlow has a guy named skeeter davis from key west last chance saloon shooting cannon blanks at that border checkpoint until the border patrol goes away these are blanks but they're you know of course they're very loud and looking back, this actually turned out, thankfully, no one was injured or killed in this 60-second war. Uh, but this, this also, oddly enough, may have been a benefit for the people of Key West. It may have given them attention nationally that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But they, I don't think they ever got the billion dollars, though. Very important. I mean that seems like a bit of a stretch anyway. If anything, they were disrupted for what? How, how long? How long do you think total we had? Did they had to deal with this roadblock? Do we know that? All right. So we know it started on April eighteenth, nineteen eighty two. Uh, we know that the speech was a few days later, April twenty third. Right. So after that speech, that's when they declared war and then walked it back immediately. And then within days of uh, of this activism, the Border Patrol actually reneged and they, they pulled back and they closed down the checkpoint. So not very long. How long is that? It's like five days, uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, I know for two weeks, though, they were shooting the cannon blanks. So they were building up to this. So I guess maybe a week after. All I'm trying to quantify here is, you know, what potentially the um, uh, the economic damage would have been to the city of Key West. I think a billion seems a little bit on the uh, high side. Oh, yeah, I see. I think they chose it because it's just such a super villain sounding number. Just an absurd number to continue with that Mary Prankster vibe. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so they definitely didn't get that. But they did clear the roadblock uh, eventually. Um, they uh, gradually started phasing it out and then then it was gone. I, I will say this. I mean, it, it sure seemed like a pretty thoughtless act on the part of the Border Patrol, don't you? Like, it, like they, they didn't really think about the consequences and they, they either didn't care or they did not fully vet you know, how this was going to affect this, this, the city, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. You can see the logic behind it because that route and that intersection, it's a choke point. So you would want to be, so you would be able theoretically to catch drugs if they're being transported on that road. But what it ignored was that there were so many other avenues for the drug trade, uh, you know, going by water, going off air. There are a couple of other different options and they didn't really plan. Uh, they didn't plan the infrastructure they needed, right? They just, they didn't have it there. And they obviously didn't think about the effect this would have on the locals. But the Conk Republic, 
though it is no longer officially its own nation, it remains uh, alive and well in the hearts and minds of the Key West residents. As a matter of fact, uh, we are getting pretty close to Key West Independence Day. It is every April 23rd. It's an annual celebration. The Conch Republic issues uh, passports and visas referring to the U.S. as the Northern Territories. We do want to mention they are not legal passports. They're not legal visas. You cannot use these at an actual border. Yeah, it's just another kind of quirky, like we talked about at the top of the show, um, one of these events that gives uh, folks uh, visiting Key West an opportunity to, you know, kick their shoes off and and party. Um, And yeah, it it really is kind of a a thing that uh, is very much part of the history of uh, of Key West and its sort of quirkiness. Uh, And by the way, there also are uh, conch salutes in four cities across the world um, that they have uh, designated um, in memory of, of this event as well. Love it. Love a good pun uh, and love a bad one too. So this is interesting because they, they you know what? They've got another pun I love. It's their, uh, their national motto. We seceded where others failed. Wah, wah. <laughs> and uh, if you, if you ask people how seriously this is taken, since, as you said, Noel, they have an international presence, uh, the mayor, ha- the Key West mayor has a pretty interesting response. He says, the Conch Republic is as real as a state of mind. Aw, that's sweet. They should uh, really put that on an airbrush t-shirt. Oh, yeah, totally. Actually, an airbrush t-shirt with, with the sleeves off. So that it's not really a tank top. What do you call that? One of those shirts. Is it a muscle shirt? Is that the same thing? It's a, yeah, it's a muscle shirt, I think, when the, there's no sleeves. Personally, I call it a vibe. I agree. It's that Florida vibe. <laughs> it's that Florida vibe. So we hope that you have some personal experience with the Conch Republic. And let's hear from you. You know, Do a lot of people in Key West actually have a Conch Republic flag or a passport? Or is it more... Is it more like a tourist thing? Like, do people visit Key West and then get the flag and the passport and the visa and so on? Uh, it, it seems pretty cool. I wish, I, wish more, uh, I wish more states and cities had that kind of tourist draw. And the big question, the last question, could this happen today or would someone do it today? I'm going to go ahead and say just personal opinion. I don't think people would do this. Uh, I, I, I don't even think Key West would do this today. No, I don't think so either. Um, it seems a little risky and it seems like not a great look considering things like September 11th and uh, some of the uh, the heightened uh, tensions involving terrorism and all of that. Being patriotic is uh, pretty, pretty important. Uh, and, and especially to a government official, this would not have been a good look, uh, in, you know, in, in, in recent years. One thing just for any like international or geopolitics nerds. Uh, one thing that was interesting, I, I, I agree with you completely, by the way, there's, I, I don't think this is a good move to do post nine 11, you know, arguably it wasn't a good move then, but it was pretty funny. Uh, but for any, uh, for any geopolitics, uh, international travel nerds in the audience, the Conch Republic's secretary general issues passports that are pretty expensive. I don't know if you guys saw this, but the application fee for one is anywhere from $100 to $1,200. And there is one guy, uh, the the Secretary General, uh, Peter Anderson, 
uh, until he passed away in 2014, he claimed that he had used his Conk Republic diplomatic passport to travel to 30 other countries and even said that he was able to get back into the U.S. with it five times. That should never happen, by the way. That's like you and I making ridiculous history passports. Or Ben Bucks. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my Grinch heart grew a size and a half, man. Yeah, Ben Bucks. Why not? Bring, bring, bring them back is what I say. Ridiculous history passports and then Ben Bucks. Uh, who knows, man? All bets are off now in this, uh, this new world that we're emerging into. Uh, uh, we could maybe make a real case for that. Well, maybe, man. I, you know, if, if I've got uh, you guys on my side, uh, then as a team, there's not much that can stop us except, of course, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be stuck in our rooms. Absolutely. Uh, and, and just 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 to, you know, really quickly um, do a little check in. You doing all right, Ben? Uh, you, you getting uh, getting things done? Feeling OK about the, the quarantine situation? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I found my dare shirt. Oh, what? <laughs> You've been looking for that forever. <laughs> no, right? Yeah. Uh, dare shirt. I, I know that we're all doing some uh, creative non-work stuff. It's very important. You know, um, Noel, you've been you've been really digging deep into the music. I've been writing uh, and I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to hearing some tunes. Ah, thanks, man. I'm actually uh, collaborating on a little something with our boy Chuck from Stuff You Should Know. He's been doing some kind of cover songs, uh, sort of redoing them in his own style. And I'm going to add a little bit of a, a little bit of guitar to some of them. So that'll be fun. I'm going to do that later today. That's awesome. And we want to hear about your creative projects. Uh, if you have, like us, found yourself uh, with a, a little more limited mobility than you're used to. Of course, it can be a day-to-day thing and it can be a real struggle to um, find your creative voice if you are, you know, if, if you're worried. Uh, but it can also be a tremendously freeing thing. So let us know and let your fellow listeners know about your projects. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Not just as a show, but as actual facts, real life human people. It's true. You can find me on Instagram at HowNowNoelBrown um, doing whatever it is that I do. I post a lot of memes and um, just, you know, videos of me around the house. I might post some of these uh, tunes that I'm working on, but I also might not. But I'm leaning towards maybe doing that thing. And you can find me on Instagram at Ben Bolin, uh, where I am on a number of strange projects that I won't disclose here on air. Uh, you can also join me on Twitter. I am at Ben Bolin HSW. Uh, hit me up with any of your questions about prepping, any any like folklore questions. Uh, we got a pretty cool email about Mothman, and I want to point out that uh, Casey Noll and I actually went to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to the Mothman Museum, and I found my swag from that. I still got the hat. I actually got my kid a t-shirt. I don't think I got myself anything, but she has a nice shocking pink Mothman Museum t-shirt that, uh, that I, I very much enjoy. I think she might have even grown out of it, though. Dude, that kid is like shooting up like a weed, as they say. <laughs> Well, uh, I think she'll always cherish it as a, as a cool memento of the time. Yeah, well, she could also pass it on to her little sis. Yeah, that's a perfect plan, you know? Uh, so that's, that's it for us today. Uh, thanks, as always, to our research associate, uh, Gabe Luzier, uh, who I don't think is a Conk Republic sympathizer, but I don't know for sure. And, of course, thanks to Alex Williams, who composed this, uh, this banging bop you hear at the beginning and end of every show. 
thanks to Christopher Hasiotis here at Spirit, Jonathan Strickland, and his nefarious alter ego, the Quister. Maybe we'll do a uh, we'll, we'll Skype him in on one of these uh, from his absolute secret bunker that he has had and, and, and maintained and lived in this whole time. Um, it's some sort of you know like villains do. He's got something like uh, under a glacier or something somewhere probably. Totally. And of course, thanks to Eve's Jeff Coates. Check out her daily podcast, This Day in History Class. And of course, of course, of course, thanks to producer Casey Pegram. Um, and, and to you, Ben. Thanks, thanks to you. And you out there in podcast land. Last note, most importantly, thank you to all the people on the front lines uh, in these are troubled times. Uh, that's not just the military. That's not just the excellent nurses, doctors, EMTs, and medical professionals. That's everybody who's working at a grocery store dealing with panicked people. Everybody who's running essential services like, uh, you know, like uh, sanitation. And uh, thanks to everybody. We're in this together. You're here, Ben. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.